Many of you know and been here when Frank has been here before. Frank's not a stranger to Emmanuel. He loves Emmanuel and he, he's here because he wants to be here. Uh, but Frank has been used of God in many ways. Uh, and, and I won't belabor his entire testimony. He's worked with the Billy Graham Crusade. He's working with Capital Ministries. Uh, he, he does a Bible study for our legislators in Dover. Uh, very active uh, evangelist for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But uh, f from our perspective, he's a friend. And uh, he loves coming to Emmanuel. He loves our worship. He loves our people. And so let's welcome Frank. Thank you. Amen. Wow. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But you know what? I'm no big deal. I did not make you. I didn't walk on water. I did not rise from the dead. And I am not your way to heaven. Can we stand to your feet and give the loudest applause to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the great I am. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Amen. Well, you know what? It's been fun. I want to thank Ken and his beautiful bride who opened up their hearts and homes to me yesterday. And I'm blessed to be with you guys. So if I come into money, you guys are now in the will. Can I get an amen? amen. Um, my wife was with me the last time, but they said to say greetings. And uh, let me tell you my schedule. Thursday... Um, Actually, Friday morning, I was at the Maryland State Capitol in Annapolis at a legislative prayer breakfast. Um, then I, yesterday, I spoke at uh, Jesus House, D.C. I spoke three hours at an evangelism training in Silver Spring, Maryland. We trained the entire church how to reach their community for Christ so on a Saturday in the rain. And God really blessed. Those people are on fire Drove three hours, got to Wilmington last night. I'm with you this morning. From here, I drive to BWI Airport. I will fly to Hartford, Connecticut tonight for Franklin Graham. Tonight, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm promoting Franklin Graham's Northeast Tour later this spring, this week. I'll get in at midnight. I have a 4 a.m. train trip Thursday from D.C. to New York. I'm speaking of all places at the United Nations on Thursday. Next Sunday, I preach in Pennsylvania, Sunday morning, Sunday night. We'll get home at 1 a.m., take my son to school Monday morning, back on a train, this time to Brooklyn, New York, speaking Monday night, Tuesday night in Brooklyn, New York at a revival, get on a 10.30 Manhattan train, coming back to D.C., get in at 2 a.m., preach at 9 a.m. Wednesday at Southern Maryland Christian Academy, 2 o'clock flight to Irving, Texas, preach Wednesday night at Irving, Thursday at First Baptist Dallas, Texas, to their entire Christian Academy, Saturday in Houston, Texas, and Sunday preaching to 1,500 with nine-time gold medalist Carl Lewis from the Olympics at the Dallas-Fort Worth Marriott. So if you have a friend that has a private jet for Jesus, Frank Shelton needs one, amen? But let me just tell you this, this is what we're going into the thing. It's not about me, but we talk about planes, trains and automobiles see the first two letters of god's name spell go the first two letters of good news spell go the first two letters of gospel spell go so christianity is not a spectator sport so when god calls us to go i had to get going amen when i was single everyone thought that i was going to meet somebody in an airport look at your neighbor and say airport, airport. 
home away from home is airport. Uh, I'll be at BWI tonight. I heard the story of a single man got on a plane. He said, oh, God, put my future wife right next to me on this plane. They get racing down the runway here at 33,000 feet. And he finally looked to his right, and the woman sitting next to him was 81 years old. And she said, hi. And he said, hi. And she said, honey, you ever been married? He said, no, ma'am. He said, have you been married? She goes, I've been married four times. You want to be number five? (laughs) He's thinking, oh, Lord, I rescind my prayer. But he said, well, we got a two-hour flight. Well, tell me, you've been married four times? And she said, yeah, four times. He goes, well, I'm just curious. What did your first husband do? She goes, honey, he was a born-again Christian. He was the vice president of a local bank. Hmm. We were married 31 years and God called him home. I'm just curious, what did your second husband do? She goes, you've ever heard of Wayne Newton? His eyes got real big. The entertainer in Vegas, you married Wayne Newton? She said, no, but my second husband was an entertainer. It opened up 13 times for Wayne Newton. Interesting. So you married a banker and entertainer. He goes, I got to ask you, what about number three? She said, sweetie, you'll like this. I married a Baptist preacher for eight years. Loved the Lord, and he died of a heart attack. Hmm, what what about number four? She said, I married the local funeral home director. (laughs) He said, let me get this straight. You married a banker, an entertainer, a preacher, and a funeral director. And she said, yep, I married one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. Amen. (laughs) But praise the Lord. But let me ask you, I'm going to preach a message. I want to bring it back to basics this morning. Because if we're not careful, you can be saved so long, you can forget what it was like to be lost without Jesus. You know, most people have enough of Jesus to get them to heaven, but not enough of Jesus to keep a best friend out of hell. You know, we're good at keeping the faith, but we fail at sharing the faith. And if it wasn't for the grace, and what's grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. If it wasn't for grace we would be up the creek. It's not like partly I'm not that bad and partly he's so good and that's how I'm getting in. No, there is nothing good in me nor you. And apart from God, you don't have hope and hell is your only destination. And that's not glamorous, but it's the gospel truth. It's not about Frank being so good. It's about Jesus being so God. You know, um, have you ever done something that you're embarrassed about that maybe you've dropped the ball? Have you ever dropped the ball? Raise your hand. I was telling Ken at dinner last night, I was at Pennsylvania Avenue one time and I was at a Starbucks. I call Starbucks five bucks because it's five bucks for a cup of coffee. (laughs) But my favorite book in the New Testament is Hebrews. Can I get an amen? (laughs) I'm standing on holy grounds. But anyways, the wild thing is um, this guy... I am the guy. I'm standing at the Pennsylvania Avenue Starbucks. At the time, I was a fundraiser on Capitol Hill. We'll just leave it at that. And the wild thing is, as someone walked in, and I thought, this is interesting, and there's about 12 people in front of me, and there's now about 18 people behind me. And I looked to my left, and I did a double tech, and it was a handsome African-American man. What caught my attention, he was wearing a brown leather members-only jacket. Now, as kids, we couldn't even afford the members-only jacket that was popular in the 80s. That was just the basic nylon one. This brother had the leather members-only jacket, so I knew out the gate he was at another level. And when I really took a double look, I'm like, I should know who this guy is. And I have a pretty good memory, and I looked at him, and it dawned on me that it's Art Monk, the former 
number 81, Washington Redskins, arguably the greatest receiver of our generation. Him and Jerry Ress were side by side. And I look at Art Monk and I'm thinking, try to be cool. Then Satan's teasing me, don't ask who him is. It may not be him. And I said, sir, are you Art Monk? To his credit, he was humble. He goes, I can't believe you would remember me. I can't believe I would remember you. You had the greatest hands in the NFL. And then at that time, I see two black SUVs pull up and it's the Attorney General of the United States coming in to get the same cup of coffee at the same Pennsylvania Avenue Starbucks. And what's wild is I saw six federal agents with earpieces and Rolex watches come into the Attorney General. To the Attorney General's credit, he got his own coffee, but six guys didn't get coffee, but they were paid to protect the guy getting coffee. You ask how many people does it change a light bulb? I don't know, but it takes six federal agents to get a cup of coffee. Can you get with me? Now, here's the thing. Even Art Monk, I heard Harrison Ford one time say on a red carpet screening, he didn't even like to see himself on the big screen. Jerry Rice, true story, would have permission from the coach of the 49ers. He would not come to the next day practice for film because he said, quote, I felt awkward on the screen watching myself play. And some suggest the greatest hands of all time. Art Monk said he felt awkward at time and the guy could catch anything. But here's the point I'm making. Even the best have dropped the ball. And that's where we are in this story today. I want to share with you, picture your most embarrassing moment. And we can relate to this woman and the story today. I want you to remember what it was like to be lost. Maybe you're here today and not 100% sure if you died tonight, you'd go to heaven. A mentor told me if you're 99% sure you're going to heaven, you're probably 100% not. You want to know why the Bible was written? 1 John 5, 13, these things I've written unto you who believe on the name of the Son of God may know you have everlasting life. God didn't die and rise from the dead that you could hope it. He died that you could know it. And I got good news. I'm not preaching guilt today. I'm preaching grace. I'm not throwing lightning. I'm giving you love. And I'm not promoting hell. We're just giving away heaven. Because Jesus is a prayer away. And if you're not 100% sure, today's your day. Not Tuesday, not Thursday, tonight. Jesus said, today is the day of salvation. If you're not 100% sure, I'm telling you, today is the day that your past can be forgiven, your name can be in the book of life, and you can have a mansion made by the master, by Jesus the carpenter crucified for you. God's coming soon. You either know him or you don't. I want to bring it back because sometimes in ministry, we either get too much credit or not enough credit. But when you break it down, we are nothing. Billy Graham just said, I'm delivering a telegram of God's love to the door of humanity. When you get an invite for a wedding reception or a retirement party, there's the old Latin phrase RSVP. Protocol means someone thought of you enough to invite you to the party, but protocol dictates you have to respond, I'm either coming or I'm not. Jesus died on the cross for Y-O-U, but you need to tell him before you die, Lord, I'm either coming or I'm not. So many people think if God was so good, why would he send me to a devil's hell? God doesn't send anyone to hell. We send ourselves when we neglect such a great salvation. What would it profit a man to gain the world 
and lose his own soul. You can have a Ferrari, but if you don't know forgiveness, you're broke. Nothing wrong with the Lexus, but if you don't know the love of the Lord, you're lost. You can have a Maserati and a Mercedes, but if you don't know the master, you're a mess. You can have a house on cribs, but if you've never been to the cross, you have a crisis. And I'm telling you, poor is the person whose only wealth was in their wallet. Because the poorest person in the world is not the one who had no savings in life. It's the one who had no savior in death. Hell is too long for you to be wrong. I was at a grocery store one time the week before Easter and a woman, I just looked at her and she looked tired and I said, ma'am, God loves you. And she snapped. I don't believe in God. And without missing a beat, I looked at her and this was from the Lord because I've never said it before. I said, ma'am, you may not believe in God, but God believes in you. Ten people in the back started clapping. We had church right in the grocery store. Amen. <laughs> but here's the thing. When you're witnessing to people, you don't have to debate them or destroy them. Just deliver Christ-like love and compassion. Amen. God is good. Can we give God one more round of applause and I'll preach? Amen. Amen. I want to thank you. I believe under the sound of my voice, there's a couple people here today that feel like that um, maybe you've missed God and you're on God's radar this morning. I want you to raise your right hand. Every single one of you are in the ministry if you're a born-again Christian. Some of us preach, some of us teach, but we each can reach. God doesn't need another title. He just needs testimonies. We overcame them by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I thank God for marketplace ministry. I thank God for the Gideons. I have preached crusades and citywide revivals, get into a hotel and actually open up the drawer. And I needed a word from God and God used the Gideons to minister to this minister. All of us have a role to play. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it for God's glory. Here's the text. I was curious. I'm always looking for new facts. A scholar recently shared with me that Jesus is mentioned 132 times in the New Testament. He said, Frank, do you know how many times Jesus is mentioned in church? Only 10. He's the greatest communicator of all time, and Reagan or Clinton or Obama could not compare to the master, even without a microphone. Jesus is the greatest storyteller, speaker of all time. And here's the thing, only 10 times he's mentioned in the church. The Bible is clear, we shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves, but when I got saved, we had a small country church, and as we left above the door, you are now entering the mission field. And let's not just act like Jesus Sunday. We need to give a glimpse of God to our colleagues and classmates Monday through Friday. Because the real world is not here, it's out there. Amen? Amen. And you might as well sleep in next Sunday if you're not going to take this and apply it and live for Jesus Monday through Friday. Because I'm telling you, we cannot be satisfied sitting on the sidelines. We have to get in the game for God's glory. 132 times he's in the Bible, but only 10 times in the New Testament... He's speaking, and one of the ten is this passage this morning. John chapter 8, verses 1. 
The Bible says Jesus went to the Mount of Olives and early in the morning he came to the temple, the synagogue, the church. And the Savior's in the sanctuary and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Let me park the car here. He sat down. If Jesus Christ had a a business card, it wouldn't say Jesus Christ professional Savior. It would say Jesus the Christ a personal Savior. He wasn't looking at his watch. He didn't have other places to go. You are God's focus. You're on the radar of the Redeemer. The binoculars of the Bible are looking at you. And if God had a refrigerator, every one of your picture and face would be on it. If God had a wallet, your picture would be on it. You may not always think of God, but God is always thinking of you. Not dropping names. Three years ago, I got a call. I'm on a conference call. The White House operator said, can you hold for the president? I'm on the phone with President Barack Obama. This Friday, I'm on the phone with Vice President Mike Pence. If you promote God, God will promote you. But here's the thing. You may not have a congressman in your cell phone. You may not have a governor in your cell phone. You may not have a gold medalist in your cell phone. But you have access to Almighty God. And too many of us, even as born-again believers, we don't have 30 seconds to get alone with God. The Kardashians have nothing on the king. Some of us are so busy with our face and Facebook, we don't got our face in the book that's holy. But if you get along with the king, you'll have something to say to Kanye or Kim if you met him. They need Jesus. We all need Jesus. Amen? Amen. The answers are not in Hollywood stars, it's in heaven's son. But Jesus sat down because though millions have come, there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you at the ground level. I preached at an entire black church yesterday. The only white dude in the room. But man, that's my crowd. Can I get an amen? They call me the white Jesse Jackson, but that's a whole nother sermon. <laughs> but you know what? Billy Graham said it best. At the foot of the cross, the ground is level. But he's a personal savior. He sat down, taught them, and the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman taken and adultery. They threw her in his midst and they said, Master, this woman was caught in the very act of gambling, of drinking, no, of adultery. Now Moses and the law commanded that she should be stoned, but what do you say, Jesus? Then they said, tempting him that they may accuse him, Jesus stooped in the ground with his finger, wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. I always find it amazing that Jesus didn't have time for Pharisees, but he had time for prostitutes. That will preach. See, religion is dead, and it will damn you. I don't have a religion. I have a relationship with the living Lord. Religious leaders are like kit cars. They're all show but they're no go. They had a rhetoric, a routine. They had a religion, but they didn't have a real relationship with the Redeemer. They posed as Ferraris, but you look under the hood, they were Fieros. One's a Pontiac, one is powerful, and they're worlds apart. They looked good on the outside, but they didn't act like God on the inside. Jesus not only flipped the tables on the Pharisees, he actually called them vipers, and that's symbolic of a serpent snake named Satan. 
And be careful who you look down on because Jesus paid full price for them. And then they said, tempting them, they may accuse him, but Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground as though he didn't hear him. And when he continued asking, he lifted up himself and said, he that is without sin, cast the first stone. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground and which he heard it being convicted by their own sin, one by one from the oldest to the youngest, the Pharisees began to drop the rocks and Jesus was left all alone. Now the woman is standing in the midst and when Jesus lifted up and stood up and saw no one but the woman, he said, woman, where are your accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. See, religion wanted her dead. The Redeemer wanted her delivered. Religion wanted her in prison. The Redeemer wanted a pardon. Religion wanted her to go to hell, but the Redeemer was dying for her to go to heaven. Have you ever been caught red-handed? Maybe as a kid you stole a cookie. Maybe you cheated on an exam in middle school. This sister was not just caught. She was embarrassingly caught. Now watch this. Jesus is up preaching. One time, Meadowlark Lemon invited me to St. Louis. There was an old song he called. He goes, can you meet me in St. Louis? There was an old song, meet me in St. Louis. Harlem Globetrotters, one of the greatest of all time, Meadowlark Lemon calls me. His wife says, Frank, I can't go with Lark to this event. Will you be my husband's date? I didn't have to pray about that. We're going to St. Louis. Albert Pujols had just won the World Series 2011 with the Cardinals, just signed a contract for $253 million. I remember thinking, Lord, I should have asked him for a love offering. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I'm going with my childhood hero, Metal Ark Lemon, known around the world by his first name. Very few people known by their name. There's Ali, there's Cher, there's Elvis, even Michael, half say Jackson, the other Jordan. But Metal Ark was known around the world by his first name. And the interesting thing is I am there and at the table is Meadowlark Lemon. There's me, Forrest Gump from Maryland. There's Albert Pujols, his wife Deidre, Lou Brock and his wife, and Don the man Mattingly rolled up in a wheelchair at 91 years old. That's at our table. The only thing I did, I played varsity basketball for Thomas Stone High School. That was it. These are the best in the world. They all got rings. But when you got the bling, they all promote the king. Are you with me? And Anheuser-Busch was miles away, St. Louis. You don't need the king of beers once you know the king of kings. And the interesting, can you imagine in the middle of that dinner party and they've got pictures, I could still show you the pictures that night. It's Albert Meadowlark and me in the middle. The wild thing is if I got up, Albert Pujols today has number five home runs in the history of Major League Baseball. Can you imagine, Albert? Appreciate it. It's an honor to be at dinner with you. Don't mean to embarrass you, Meadowlark, now with the Lord. But let me tell you, brother, how to swing a bat. I'd be an idiot. What about if I told Allen Iverson in his day how to break ankles or Jordan to dunk from the foul line? If I tried to tell him, let me tell you how to play basketball. But the Pharisees were so sick, they had the audacity to interrupt the sermon of not Billy Graham, not Tozer, not Moody, not Spurgeon, but God himself. That's not only arrogant, that's crazy. It's no different when the terrorists woke up a couple years back, 9-11, I'm on the phone one block from the U.S. Capitol. Bam! When they went after the Twin Towers in New York, they went after the Pentagon. This will be a great idea. Let's just run a plane into the Defense Department. I think we can do it. And they did. One promotes death, the other promotes life. You're on the wrong side if you're not with the Lord. 
Jesus is having church 132 times in the Bible. Only 10 times is the Savior and the sanctuary sermonizing. Bam! They bring in this woman in a compromising position. She ain't wearing her Sunday best. And in the house of God, I'm going to be respectful. She's not wearing anything. Victoria's Secret models had three times more clothing than this sister caught in sin. They're bringing her down, and parents' eyes are bigger than the offering plate, and they're trying to cover the eyes of the kids as they're coming down. Completely embarrassing, and they're dragging her down, and I'm sure she's weeping. I'm convinced to tell you how sick religion is. Everyone's preached for years. The woman caught in adultery. No one knows where the man was. Are you ready for this? Are you sitting down? Do you have your seatbelt on? I'll go to my grave. I believe it was a Pharisee that either sat her up or one of their own who was called in bed with her. Number two, the thing was never to catch her. They were trying to catch him. I'm going to read it to you. I didn't make it up. And the scribes and Pharisees brought to her a woman caught in adultery, and they threw her in his midst. And they said, Master, this woman was caught in the very act. Now Moses and the law says that she should be stoned. But what do you say, Jesus? They said this, tempting him that they might accuse him. They used her to get to him. Now Jesus had flipped tables on these clowns before, and he's getting ready to flip them again. You can't put God in a corner. You can't put God in a box. Because when you're down to nothing, God is up to something. You can't even put him in the tomb. On the third day, he rose. You can't keep a good man down, and you can't keep the God man down. And they began to ask all these questions. Let me just share this, because there is a problem with sin. And if you're taking notes... Write this down. See, the problem with sin, it will fascinate you before it assassinates you. You can pick your sin, but you don't get to pick your consequence. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you're willing to pay. Private sin leads to public shame. Write this down. God gave me this. To me, the scariest verse in the Bible, I'd put it in the top three. It doesn't say possibly 50-50. Be sure your sin will find you out. You could put this on a bumper sticker. When we don't walk in Jesus' sandals, you will fall in to your own scandal. If you don't follow the footsteps of the Father's Son, the train comes off track real quick and you will be undone. You can delight in sin or you can delight in the Son, but you can't do both simultaneously. Do you know what the NFL stands for? It's not National Football League. It's not for long. Sign the contract today, break an ankle tomorrow, and it's over.
And so many people are playing a game in the game of life without God, thinking they got the world by the tail. And like Jonathan Edwards in the hands of an angry God, they're actually walking on a spider-thin rope and flames are actually coming up and you're a step away from it snapping, falling into a devil's hell. And the problem with hell, once you get in, you do not get out. So she's standing right before him and these clowns have the audacity to try to say with Jesus. Now watch this. The Pharisees wanted to have court. Jesus was holding church. But where they thought they had God, the Savior was getting ready to not only take control, slip right through them. Okay, he's having church, but they want court. But either way, Jesus is judge in both sanctuaries. He wears the robe in the legal world. He's the judge. He's justice, and his name is Jesus, spelled in all caps. There's something about that name. And Jesus was preaching a sermon, but now he's getting ready to teach them a lesson. They want a guilt. God's getting ready to give grace. They want hell. He's given heaven. They want lightning. He's embodiment love. And the interesting thing is they said, well, I think this is an interesting master. The woman was caught in the very act. Now, Moses, they're quoting the Old Testament. And sadly, they were putting more stock in Moses than the Messiah himself. Moses says that she should be stoned. But what do you say, Jesus? As if they thought they knew the Bible enough, they were going to like call out the Bible himself. And Moses says that she should be stoned. But what do you say? They were asking the answer a question. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. And they continued asking questions and he lifted up himself. He that is out sin cast the first stone. Now watch this. He went from standing to stooping. And the reason Jesus is writing his finger on the ground, when his finger hit the concrete cold floor of that sanctuary, the sandals of that day would bring in dirt and dust. And there was a film that would come barely over top of the concrete floor. And Jesus, with his bony finger, began to write, and nobody knows exactly what he wrote, but picture this. One guy's real cocky. He got a rock this big. Religion is heavy. Jesus said, my yoke is light. One guy had a pretty good-sized boulder, but here's the catch. Even a stone slung hard enough could kill somebody. And I submit to you, the one, the biggest cocky, the biggest rock, was probably the one most guilty of everybody in the house. So he went from standing to stooping, and I believe he wrote down $14.28. means nothing to you. means nothing to 99% in the service. Except for the one Pharisee with a pretty good-sized rock. His eyes got real big. His mouth dropped. Bam! Rock fell on his toe. He had to call a tow truck. Can I get an Amen. What nobody knew, but Jesus just called him out. This clown just stole $14.28 from the church treasury three weeks before. And right when they thought he had Jesus, Jesus got a hold of him. Then he stooped down again, and he probably wrote the word, Illiz, uh, Beth. It means nothing to you, nothing to 99% of the Pharisees, but the guy with the biggest rock, the one who's arrogant, cocky with the chip on his shoulder, Get ready to go to school. Bam! 
man. God didn't even have to say a word. He had slept with a woman named Elizabeth, and it was not his wife, and that will flat out preach. Everyone holding rocks. Bam! 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 They like the movie Rocky. You know you've got a big mouth. Are you with me? They like the Rolling Stones, but that's next Sunday's sermon. Now watch this. He went from standing to stooping. Now he's saving. And all of a sudden, this woman, not wearing her Easter outfit, her Sunday best. But this is the beautiful part of the gospel. We buy the lie from the enemy that we have to get just right in order to meet the Redeemer. No, if you try to get right before coming to God, you will be left out. Come as you are. Religion says do. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. Respectfully, religion says do, do, do. Hear my heart. It's a bunch of doo-doo. Religion says do. Jesus said it's done. Religion says you work for it. No, Jesus says worship me. I already worked for it. If you're trying to buy your way to heaven, you're earning a paycheck straight to hell. It's not part you, part him. It's all of him or not at all. And here she is. And at this vulnerable moment, Jesus says, where are your accusers? And they all left one by one, the oldest to the youngest. Nothing but rocks on the ground. And watch this. At that vulnerable moment, Jesus could have thrown lightning at that point. Because sometimes true leadership doesn't write Facebook posts or go viral or embarrass you on Twitter or social media. True leadership is done in private. Now, Jesus very well could have stuck his hands on his hips and threw lightning and ripped her head off in private. But he didn't. He gave love because she was lost. She needed the Lord. The reason your rear view mirror is smaller than your windshield because where you're going with God is more importantly than where you've been with the enemy. And the next time Satan brings up your past, don't worry because it don't matter. He has no future because he's going to split hell wide open and it never stops burning. And some of you may think I'm too far gone. I got good news for you. God loves you. Rich and poor, black and white, Democrat, Republican. God loves you. And here's the thing. He goes from standing to stooping to saving. And she looks up in his eyes with no clothes. And she looks at the one who was closed in his daddy's righteousness. And at that moment when all the Pharisees left, the Prince of Peace was there. Because when religion walks out, God walks in. And she's completely vulnerable. And she looks up and watches. She's not looking in the eyes of Beyonce. She's looking in the eyes of the Bible. She's not looking in the eyes of J.C. She's looking in the eyes of J.C., Jesus the Christ. She's not looking in the eyes of Denzel. She's looking in the eyes of divinity. She's not looking in the eyes of Trump. She's looking in the eyes of the triune God. She's not looking in the eyes of Obama, but the omnipotent. She's not looking in the eyes of Bush, but the Bible. Not Carter or Clinton, but the crucified coming Christ. She's not looking in the eyes of a prime minister, but the prince of peace. She's not looking in the eyes of Muhammad. She's looking in the eyes of the master. She's not looking in the eyes of Gandhi. She's looking at the eyes 
of God himself. And she's not just standing before celebrity. She's standing before deity. And what does he do? He gives grace for her guilt. I was told in third grade, Frank Shelton, you're as dumb as a box of rocks. You can laugh, I'm over it. Have you ever heard that expression, you're as dumb as a box of rocks? They were sincere, but sincerely wrong. Because I learned in the Bible they were dead wrong. I think one of the most valuable artifacts in the world are not in the Smithsonian. Oh, if I could have collected the rocks that fell that day. Because the Bible says if humans don't worship the Lord, the rocks themselves will cry out and worship him. He went from standing to stooping to saving. And watch this. When he reached down, Dave Matthews wrote a song 18 years ago, number one. Take my hand, because we're walking out of here. Watch this. People always ask me, Frank, why do you shop at Walmart? It's because I got Target on my back when I preach. Are you with me? You live for Jesus, Target's on your back. But man, you can't lose when you live for the Lord. I'm convinced you may have never seen this before. When Jesus reached down to pick her up, Christ will never make fun of you where he found you. He just dusts you off and you get to go to another level. He won't bring up your past. You don't have to bring up the past. But don't get saved strutting like a peacock that I did God a favor. No, God did us all a favor. We all dropped the ball, even Hall of Famers. One hand catch have been known to drop a ball. Jesus said, if you just dropped one of the commandments, you were guilty of them all. Now watch this, and I'm almost done. When Jesus put his bony finger on that concrete floor, the Pharisees were half right. Moses said, are you ready for this? Not since God himself and Moses' finger touching a stone is when they wrote the Ten Commandments. And in the New Testament, when God went from standing to stooping, to saving, when his holy, righteous finger of God on that concrete floor of the church, on the dust, he was fulfilling the law that God gave Moses in the Old Testament. And he was now fulfilling it as the God of the New Testament. And he could let her go because of where he was getting ready to go. Watch this, maybe the greatest story I've ever heard, and I'm done in four minutes, watch this. Theologians have said that he picked her up, was there shame? Remember this, Satan will call you by your shame, God will call you by your name. Sometimes friends wanna remember the worst about you. Jesus is dying and rose again to remember the best about you. And when he reached down and picked her up, and I believe he smiled, and one of the greatest privileges in life is to know not only you dodged a bullet and you missed that train, 
but grace floods your soul. If you're not 100% sure today, I'm not asking you to come to religion. I'm asking you to just give your life to Jesus. Repent. Jesus would rather die for you than live without you. They say that when Jesus picked her up, as he started walking out the sanctuary, and now it's just him, her, and a bunch of rocks, they say that when Jesus got to the church door, they say that Jesus immediately turned right, and they say that the Savior was walking straight towards Calvary. He could let her off the hook because he would soon get up the tree where he died for you and he died for me. Muhammad can't do it. Buddha wouldn't do it. Confucius couldn't do it. I've been to the tourist attraction of Jerusalem. I've been invited to go back in Israel. And the borrowed tomb of Jesus is the only tourist attraction in the world where folks come from miles around to stand in line and look at absolutely nothing. Because we don't serve a dead God. On the third day, he rose again. We serve the living Lord. Would you give Jesus one last round of applause? Amen. I'm going to ask... If everyone do something slightly different today, if you'll stand to your feet, draw an imaginary circle around you, and don't worry about the person beside you, behind you, before you. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I'm going to ask a simple question. If you're here today and you're not 100% sure that heaven is your home, that your sins are forgiven, that your name, your reservation, is not at the Hyatt, it's at heaven. It's not at the Sheraton, it's at the Savior Suite. If you're not 100% sure, I'm not giving away Hawaii. I'm giving away heaven. Hell is too long to be wrong. Even if you live to be 100, 2.3 million years from now, we're just getting started. Do you want a lakeside resort or a lake of fire? It doesn't stop. I'm not asking you to crucify yourself and get on the cross. I'm asking you to realize you're a sinner. He's the Savior. And he's our only way to heaven. Don't get it all right. Come to him and it will be all right. If you're not 100% sure you're saved or if you have doubts and you'd like to rededicate, I give you my word, I'm not embarrassing anybody. But Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. If you're not 100% sure that you're going to heaven when you die, maybe you can relate to the woman caught in adultery, but here's the thing, whether you stole a cookie or another man's spouse, sin is sin. But Jesus gives grace if you ask for the pardon that catches while you're still breathing because there's no overtimes, high powerful lawyers, no extra innings in hell. If you're not 100% sure, Billy Graham said all over in seven continents, you may never have another day like this. Today's the day. You want to win the lottery? Jesus is the jackpot. You just got to take the ticket. Whisper this prayer, heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. You're the Savior.
I heard my whole life that Jesus died for the world. I realized today in Delaware, if it was just me, Jesus died for me. Forgive me my sins. I want to repent for my past. Oh God, you caught me red-handed. The Pharisees caught me red-handed. But I don't want guilt. I'll take grace. The blood that died on the cross was for me. Your word says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Take my dark, dirty sins and your red, rich blood and make me like white, new fallen snow. Come into my heart. Here are the keys to my life. You can take it from here. Be my Lord and Savior and my best friend. Because when religion walked out, Jesus walked in. In Jesus' name I pray. With no one looking, heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm not going to ask anyone to come forward, but when I count to three, if you prayed that again or for the first time, would you just raise your hand with no one looking? One, two, three. All over the auditorium. Praise God. Anybody else? Praise God. Anybody else? Praise God. Anybody else? And I'm going to ask right now, to slap Satan in the face if you would like to just step out all of us who have already been born again but let's come to the altar again anew all of us you can stand or kneel at an altar and just remember what it was like the day he found you Maybe we just need to thank him again. Oh God, I see it again. Thank you for grace when I was guilty. And when you remember what he's done for you, it will make your relationships at work a lot sweeter because it's not we're so good. It's I was touched by he alone is God. You come all over the auditorium and just say thank you. Thanksgiving is not November. It's now. You come just to say thank you for saving my soul. You come all over the auditorium.